Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it going. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can start off by giving as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can find out more by going to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com forward slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at $22 a year. Find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode. And now, this episode of the Observer's Notebook. And we're talking the mission of Cyrus Rex. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest, um, the ALPO, ALPO coordinator of the Meteorite section, Dolores Hill. Welcome to the podcast, Dolores. Thank you. Yeah. Now, before, before we get into the topic today, why don't you just give everybody a little bit of background about the Meteorite section? Well, uh, the Meteorite section has been around for a long time. Uh, so far, we uh, concentrate on trying to identify uh, suspected meteorites, and um, they are still working on how to uh, help people who have meteorite collections participate in uh, research activities. Uh, we don't uh, concentrate too much on trying to locate meteorites because there are lots of issues that go along with that. Hmm. Uh, so we um, concentrate on encouraging people to look at their own collections and notice things that are different and unusual that uh, researchers might be interested in. Uh, it, it's um, also a joy to be able to look at meteorites under a microscope, and mm -hmm. a number of our people enjoy doing that as well. Uh, we also uh, do have um, one person who enjoys searching for potential impact craters. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yes. Wow. And how long have you been the coordinator of the program? Oh, goodness. I should have looked that up. <laughs> um, 
uh, many years. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, and today we're going to talk about the Osiris Rex Mm -hmm. mission, and you are an integral part of that right now, aren't you? Well, I'm a very small part of it, (laughs) but uh, I I get to be around uh, many, many of the activities and uh, so I, I get to do a lot of different things. Okay. What's your, what's your role and responsibility? Well, um, I'm on the sample uh, analysis team. Okay. Uh, before that, I was part of the uh, education, uh, communication and public engagement team. Okay. And uh, with Carl Hergenrother, that right. you all know, um, led the Target Asteroids Project uh, that continues today as Target NEOs with the Astronomical League. Um, In addition, uh, I created a lot of outreach activities for the mission uh, that we now use uh, at the Lunar and Planetary Lab at the University of Arizona. And uh, so I do a lot of different things. Rick, my husband, will joke that um, I'm in charge of laboratory safety, so I'm kind of bossy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Rick. <laughs> but for, for a good purpose. Yeah. Um, and so for the OSIRIS-REx mission, I, I support uh, the science team in many different ways. Um, uh, preparing the labs for the sample, helping uh prepare the sample, helping to analyze the sample, curate it, uh, uh, a lot lot of different things. Okay. Well, why don't we take a step back and tell us about the OSIRIS-REx mission, how it started. Wow. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that uh, originally the OSIRIS-REx mission came about because Lockheed Martin had invented a special collector that could pick up rocks. Mm. And they looked for uh, researchers who might want to propose some sort of a mission that would use this device uh, known as the TAGSAM, the Touch and Go Sample Acquisition Mechanism. TAGSAM is much easier to say. And uh, apparently they approached a few people who said, well, it sounds interesting, but no thanks. And uh, they ended up here at the University of Arizona and spoke with the director of our laboratory at the time, uh, Mike Drake. And he uh, was a famous uh, meteorite researcher. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, oh, my gosh. I have always wanted to go to an asteroid. Hmm. Of course, I would be interested. So the rest is history. Uh, Mike Drake and Dante Loretta, also a meteorite researcher at the time, uh, proposed a mission to collect material from an asteroid. Uh, At first, uh, they wanted to go to several asteroids and eventually... um, adjusted the mission to scale it back to go concentrate on one important one. Mm -hmm. And so the mission started off as OSIRIS and um, eventually was known as OSIRIS-REx. And it's an interesting acronym because I'm looking at what it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I worked for NASA for 35 years and I'm really good with acronyms, but this one really kills me. 
Yes. It, so I have to confess, it took me a little while to learn it. Mm-hmm. I, I actually printed it out and put it on my computer so that I could <laughs> see it all day, every day. Um, but it's it's perfect. It describes mm-hmm. all of the objectives of the mission. Um, and Dante Loretta, the head of the mission, uh, came up with it. Uh, he said he was um, writing down different objectives of the mission, scrambling the words, and it just fell into place. Mm-hmm. And so it was wonderful. So it stands for uh, OSIRIS-REx, Origins of the Solar System, Spectral Interpretation, Resource Identification, uh, where am I? Security, mm-hmm. and Regolith Explorer. Very good. <laughs> and uh, the most important part uh, for the the meteorite people on the mission, of course, is the Regolith Explorer. Mm-hmm. So Regolith is just uh, our fancy word for uh, dirt on an airless body, like okay. the moon or an asteroid. But it's very, very important dirt that has lots of secrets. Well, it's kind of like wine. The important thing about wine is the dirt it's growing in. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> now, it launched back in night. Uh, 2016, right? Yes, uh, okay. September 8th, 2016. And it spent about two years getting to the asteroid because uh, as ALPOers probably know, you can't just travel straight to it. Mm-hmm. So we had to orbit the sun, uh, come back towards Earth for an Earth gravity assist, and uh, eventually end up at asteroid venue. Uh, and once we arrived, we didn't actually orbit it at first. We sort of flew with it around the sun. Uh, And when we did finally orbit, uh, we set a world's record for the smallest body orbited and the closest orbit. Oh, my. And then very soon after that, we broke our own record. So that was kind of a a fun little bit of trivia there. Hmm. Um, And we spent about two years studying the surface, trying to determine the compositions, the structure, the terrain, the thermal properties, um, many, many different aspects of the asteroid with the prime goal of determining the best place to collect our sample. Uh, And then once we did, we took about two years to return, uh, and we came back September 24th uh, of this year. That was the only date and time of the entire mission that was fixed. Wow. Everything else had a lot of um, leeway, but the return date was absolutely fixed. And uh, so we were quite happy. That that's, cra- that's crazy. Out. Yeah. Um, and for those that may have seen the return, uh-huh. it is amazing to me that it almost looks like someone just carefully set the capsule yep. on the desert floor. It it just was yeah, so perfect. It was sitting upright and everything when it came down. Yes. It, was just like, it, was, it didn't yeah, even roll I, around. I, yeah, I was expecting it to bounce and roll around to all sorts of things. Yes. No, it was pretty wild. That was very exciting. Yeah. It's a, wow. Right on target, too. Yes. Great. So you're involved with investigation of the materials it brought back. So what can you tell us about some of the early findings? Well, um, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to talk about too much of it. Okay. (laughs) But uh, what I can say is that the science team is very, very happy. 
Um, we did collect more than the 60 mm-hmm. grams that was considered our baseline for success. Um, so far, the curation team at uh, Johnson Space Center has collected 70.3 grams. Oh, my. And um, you may have seen some pictures mm-hmm. of the tag SAM in the glove box. Mm-hmm. And there's a mixture of dust and particles, intermediates, we call them, and uh, actual uh centimeter size pebbles and so we are just so excited we can do so much with all of those different materials right when do you get but we won't be using all of those materials Mm -hmm. that's the other important thing i should point out uh is that the science team uh will work on uh 25 of the sample the rest will be uh put away for future generations okay so when do you get your hands on them well, we actually have um, some of the quick look sample in our oh. laboratory, oh. and so you want we to bring are... the camera down there and show us. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't. Sorry, <laughs> I <know>. I'm teasing. <laughs> That's wild. So, um, what excites you? I know you can't talk a lot about what you're finding, but what excites you most about this part of the investigation? Oh, just everything's new, and mm. uh, I, I wish I wish I could tell you what we're seeing, uh, but. Uh, it's just uh, very exciting. Um, we're seeing things that we've never seen in meteorites before. So oh, uh, that's about all, all I'm really okay. able no. to say at this yeah, point. Yeah, we, we waited a while to do this podcast. I, was I hoping, know. I was hoping you'd have enough that we could. This is a tease. I just have to, you on, have to have you on later when we could really dig into the findings. I mean, that's, yes. that's definitely. Yeah. So when do you think that will be? Uh, well, uh, the science team uh, is busy uh, preparing for the receipt of their samples. Okay. And as soon as they get them in their hands, they will begin their analyses. Um, in our lab, we have uh, the quick look sample. And that was the uh, tiny amount of material that was swept from the top of the tag sam uh uh collector and uh we've already um been doing analyses on that uh so people will be presenting their results at the lunar and planetary uh science conference in march okay and so uh abstracts will be submitted um i think the deadline is end of december okay uh, so, uh, as you can be sure that, uh, as soon as we possibly can share information, we'll be doing that. Um, but it all has to follow a, a special protocol. Yeah, I, I understand every question we answer. We have 10 more questions that come from yes, the results yeah. and just that's, that's the environment working with NASA is just everything, you know, right. Every time we discover something now, oh, now why is this this way? Why is it that way? So, yes. That's great, so, so the the one thing that that we uh, are able to share is that uh, we've confirmed that yes, the materials are, are carbon rich and mm-hmm. are are hydrated. So oh. that isn't a huge surprise because we did see that in the spectra from the remote sensing on the surface of Bennu, um, but uh, the the collected sample confirms that as well. Now, would you say Bennu is a 
Typical asteroid? Typical? Yeah. Um, not exactly. So uh, asteroid Bennu is a carbonaceous asteroid. And so they're uh, abundant, but um, there are also stony asteroids that are mm. not, not carbonaceous. Um, we selected asteroid Bennu because it has carbonaceous materials that represent the very earliest parts of our solar system. And we are highlighting the organics analyses because we fully expect there to be uh, organic materials that would not normally survive passage through our atmosphere if they did come in. Uh, as a meteorite. Right, right. They'd burn off. Uh, and for many years, I've been telling people that whoever analyzes the organic materials uh, will discover brand new compounds we've never seen before. So uh, that's really exciting. And we have students working on the mission who've never analyzed a rock before. Oh, and their goodness. very first rock will be pieces of uh, asteroid banding. So where does this rank in your career? Oh. It's it's one of the biggest highlights yeah. of, of all. Um, yeah, because this is your passion. This this yes. obje these objects is something you've worked on your entire life. I mean, it's now to get be able to not necessarily hold one in your hand, maybe your rubber glove. But, you right. Know, it, oh it, yes. It'll, it'll be pretty emotional, I imagine. Too. I mean, it's just like well, and to be able to have the context of where the the material came from, and to understand something else about the, the body that it came from. Uh, it'll be very exciting. And to have a sample that is pristine. Mm -hmm. um, normally, we see things that are uh, rusty and oxidized, and mm. that makes it difficult to figure out. Yeah, because you're seeing objects that have come through the Earth's atmosphere. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I remember... So I remember talking to Carl early on because I had a podcast with him early on on this subject too. But as we were closely orbiting uh, Bennu, I think he said he realized that there were particles coming off the surface. <gasps> and that was just, you know, he told me that like, like two weeks after he, he saw that. And that just, I mean, that made the collection probably a lot easier too because you saw a lot of free particles and, and material around the asteroid well um there was a lot of loose material mm -hmm. on the surface and that's exactly what we needed for the tag yes. sand collector but uh carl's discovery of those particles was just incredible mm -hmm. and I, i'd like to talk about that a little bit because sure. um i started as an amateur astronomer mm -hmm. and Carl has always said that he's an old time astronomer. You know, mm -hmm. he was born in the wrong century and he <laughs> loves to look at things through the, the eyepiece. Right. Um, and that is exactly how he discovered those uh, particles. That's uh, he was looking at navigation images and just playing around with the game. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to figure out what the constellations were in the background that's, that's and if right. he could identify the star clusters and, mm -hmm. you know, nobody really needed to do that. We knew exactly where the mm -hmm. spacecraft was to something like the nearest five meters. Uh, but he 
for fun, wanted to do mm-hmm. that. So he bumped up the gain and was identifying certain things. And then he noticed this bright star cluster and he couldn't identify it. He couldn't find it anywhere. And he knew that it was so bright that it that it ought to be known. Couldn't find it. Fooled around, looked at the image, enlarged it, and realized those were dashes, not dots. Mm. And he literally uh, took a ruler and put it on his computer screen and looked at where those dashes would have come from. Uh So the dashes meant that those particles, whatever it was, was moving while they took the picture. And all of those dashes pointed back to the same spot on Bennu. Wow. And I remember the day he showed me that we were at a science team meeting and he elbowed me and said, hey, Dolores, look at this. And, you know, today when I tell the story, it still makes my skin tingle because it was just so exciting. Um, Thankfully, they weren't big enough to harm the spacecraft or or anything like that. But it was a, a very exciting discovery. And to this day, we don't know for sure uh, which mechanism is the one that's most responsible for creating those particles. Hmm. Um, yeah, it so, was, uh, yeah, it's a very cool story. Yeah, it's just yeah. And incidentally, uh, for the meteor observers in the group, uh, the team actually did check to see if there was any chance that there was a Bennu meteor shower. Uh-huh. <laughs> possible from these particles but in the end um, it would have been so so low a particle account or a meteor shower account that you you couldn't tell yeah and and for a sample return mission this asteroid was the perfect candidate with that loose yes. material all around us that's that's why you got more than you ever expected a- absolutely and i'm it, sure there and- are people who thought that it's going to come down bounce off the surface and nothing's going to populate the uh, sample. So right. this was this was perfect. Wow. 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 So what else can you tell us? Well, I can just tell you that it's it's all very exciting and there's a lot of different materials. Um I've been cautioning the public who might not appreciate it mm-hmm. quite so much that the the material might be black, black and more black. Um but uh, while there is a lot of black material, there's a lot of other things in there that that will keep us busy. Cool. So it'll be very exciting. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So we'll, absolutely. So we'll have to get you on again after the uh, uh, results can can be released. But this is a good teaser for that as well. Oh, so, it's a teaser, all right. <laughs> uh, I can see by the your, your, your smiling face that you are really enjoying this. this is, oh. Oh, absolutely. Um, Every day is exciting. And I get to uh, watch over the shoulders of the curation team while they're working in the glove box. And I have to say, I have worked with and prepared a lot of meteorites over my career. And I am just so impressed with the way they work. They are are truly the the best in the world. Fantastic. Just um, amazing. So my hat's off to them. And and now that's that's at the Lunar Planetary Lab there in Arizona? 
No, this is at Johnson Space oh, Center. Okay, so you've been up to Johnson working with them there? No, we have um, uh, meetings of oh, okay. computer, and we literally look over their shoulders. Oh, wow. And uh, they're working in a special clean room built mm-hmm. especially for the venue sample right. inside a, a, a glove box. Okay. And uh, we get to watch everything they do. And they uh, work so carefully that uh, every particle is uh, considered precious and uh, containerized. Okay. Now, as anytime you're doing something like this, that the technology you're using to do the investigation is a lot of it's new and probably invented for this type of thing. Can you talk about right. any of that kind of stuff? Well, the TAGSAM is the is the biggest uh, new technology okay. of all, uh, and the entire spacecraft and the mission was built around that TAGSAM okay. to support that activity. So that was partly a uh, demonstration of the technique, and certainly it can be used as a collector uh, on the moon or other asteroids, uh, perhaps even planets. Um, so mm-hmm. that was wonderful for Lockheed Martin to demonstrate its usefulness. Yeah. Um, many of the other techniques, the the cameras and the um, laser altimeters and things on the mission were um, standard mm-hmm. uh, instruments that where we made improvements, but they were pretty much um, standard. And so that was a good mixture of of new and legacy instrumentation. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, uh, you got anything else for me? Uh, just stay tuned. Oh, uh, we will. The, the best is yet to come. Okay, this, this is very exciting, Dolores. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. And we will touch back uh, first quarter of next year, hopefully. All right, sounds great. Thank you. All right, All right. you take care. You too. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook podcast. Again, I want to thank Dolores Hill for coming on the podcast today. And I'm sure looking forward to talking to her when all the, uh, or the initial results can be released. I'm looking forward to that. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. If you like it, please subscribe. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, Spotify, and this podcast is also available on the ALPO YouTube channel. You can help support this podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving up to $35 a month, where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moore for their continued generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the Alpo is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.